Welcome to our podcast, Inspiring Living, with me, Mark Candelario. I am an architect, blogger, traveler, chef, father, and husband. I am the founder and a partner of a fabulous 20-person architecture firm specializing in high-end residential architecture, designing amazing homes across the country and now the world. We have hosted tours over the last 22 years to Italy, Spain, Oregon, and soon France. And in the course of all this, I have met a lot of interesting people who truly inspire me. We are excited to now be in our third season, and our podcast is all about the opportunities that are right there in front of us to inspire living. Yes, we will talk about architecture and design, but every week we will venture into all sorts of topics that will inspire you, teach you, and motivate you to inspire living every day. My guests will include a wide gamut of amazing people from those in the design industry to clients to real estate professionals, chefs, artists, sports figures, and philanthropists, and people who just flat out get it. Sit back and enjoy, and let's have some fun exploring all the opportunities that are there just waiting for us. Please subscribe and get ready to be inspired with every podcast. Okay, as my dad says, here we go. Thanks, everyone, for all the listens and downloads to our 2023 podcast, now in our third season and fourth year, and well over 100 podcasts now. And we have more in the works, including today's podcast, featuring the town of Paradise Valley Mayor Jerry Bien Wilner and his lovely wife, Robin. Stay tuned as we cover a lot of ground, as there is a lot happening in Paradise Valley for sure, and not to mention what an interesting couple the two of them are. Meanwhile, I know many of you have been following and praying for my Isabel, and I'm happy to report that her surgery a couple weeks ago to remove the tumor in her breast was an absolute success. In fact, since the time of discovery and the lumpectomy, the tumor was shrinking, and the only thing we can attribute this to is all the prayer we engaged in, and of course, all the prayers we received from all of you. Simply amazing, and Isabel and I thank you with all of our hearts. Instead of 16 weeks of radiation twice a day, followed by chemo, Isabel has 10 days of radiation once a day, and she is done. It is truly a miracle, and it is a testament, again, to the power of prayer and believing. Okay, we thank Iconic Magazine for our Gold Iconic Awards and the beautiful evening that uh, took place. I'm sorry that Isabel and I couldn't be there, but for obvious reasons, uh, I just couldn't make it. I was actually in a prayer workshop that entire weekend, four days of concentrated prayer, and obviously it, it was well worth the effort. But I know my crew from Candelaria Design was there, and they had a wonderful evening. And we were honored to um, walk away with a Gold Iconic Award and four more of our Candelaria Design projects won iconic awards as submitted by others in our industry, including Isabel and her Earth and Images crew, who walked away with four iconic awards. We also want to invite you to the Phoenix Home and Garden Fall Home Tour, and we are proud to once again host the final VIP home at the end of the tour. This is on November 18th. Uh, you can get your tickets right on our story note. So just go there. The link will be there and you can order your tickets. Unfortunately, I already have a paella making engagement that evening at one of my clients' homes. So I won't be cooking at the VIP house this year. But you never know what we might cook up. Pardon the pun there. But um, go and check it out. Get your tickets. You will not be disappointed. Okay, let's get to our podcast. And so without further ado, we welcome our guest, the Honorable Mayor of the Town of Paradise Valley, Jerry B.N. Wilner and his wife, Robin. Welcome. It's an honor to meet you and have you here today on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. We're delighted to be here with you. Yeah. So I actually met 
both of you very quickly at the swearing-in ceremony earlier this year, as I'm good friends with Councilwoman Ellen N. Dean and Christine LaBelle, whose daughter, Emily, by the way, was an intern in our office this summer. That's so, great. And then I'm good friends with Mark Stanton. He's a uh, fellow Scottsdale Charo. So I've known Stanton for a long, long time. So I've got I've got my little pool there in Paradise Valley, Jerry. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's start with both of you sharing a bit about yourselves. Um, go ahead and tell me a little bit about your history and how you ended up here in Paradise Valley. Now I know you. I think you actually started here. You were born here, correct? That's right. I was born at Good Sam. Um, my family has roots here. My mom was here. On my dad's side, uh, my dad was a, a foreign student from Argentina. And oh, he and my wow. mom met at ASU. So I grew up in a bilingual household. My dad was an entrepreneur, still is. And I grew up in the business world with him as he built his business, which started in the furniture business and then ventured into other businesses and real estate. And uh, they bought a house in PV in 1978. So I was very fortunate to grow up in the town, went through public schools all the way through high school, Kiva, then Mojave, then Saguaro. So go SUSD, <laughs> still a big supporter of our public schools. Our kids go to public schools, as a matter of fact. That's and, great. and God bless people who make other choices as well, but we love the public schools here and support them. Yep. And uh, went to college in California at Claremont McKenna College. Uh, took a couple years off. Wasn't sure I wanted to go to law school. I had a great opportunity to go on a, on a full scholarship to uh, either U of A or ASU. I chose U of A. And uh, then I, I hadn't decided I wanted to practice law, but I found an opportunity to uh, practice. And I, I thought if I don't do it now, I probably never will. Yeah. And looked for the, the hardest challenge I could find, uh, which wound up being um, uh, high stakes civil litigation, complex litigation, so multi-party cases, uh, big dollar amounts, the smallest dollar amount our firm would take was uh, a half a billion dollars. That was the wow. minimum in damages. So I did that in San Diego, then in New York City. And in New York City, I was fortunate mm -hmm. to meet Robin. And um, we, uh, when we were engaged, we knew we didn't want to raise a family in New York City. And I had... Uh, I think at that time in my mind, maximized my full-time legal practice career and wanted to, to pivot to something else. And so we were trying to decide between Arizona and California and uh, we chose PV and, and it's been great for us. All. Yeah, you made the right choice. Thank you made you. the right choice for sure. <laughs> so Robin, where, where are you from? Tell me a little bit about, about your history. Um, I was actually born in South Africa. Oh, wow. And yeah. And in 1981, my family immigrated to Irvine, California, which is where I grew up. And so um, my parents still live there, and I have a brother who's in Northern California. And so I spent my childhood in California, and then after college, I moved to New York City, which is how Jerry and I met. And I yeah. worked in fashion. Um, I worked in development for a small nonprofit, and then I moved into fashion. I worked for Coach the handbag company that yeah. corporate office for six that's, years. That's great. Yeah. So you're both pretty brave to move to New York City from from out west to go to the the big the big city, huh? Yeah. My older brother had lived was living there and I was kind of mystified because I had grown up, you know, in California, I hadn't really explored big cities. So yeah. I thought I would go for one year was my plan. I got my girlfriends to go with me and 
it turned out to be nine, nine years oh. for me. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, yeah, it was great. It's a great city. Well, I love the international aspect to both of you. I had no idea. That's that's really yeah. cool. I was just talking to a, a business associate of mine the other day. He's from South Africa, and we got into all of that about the, the beautiful wines there and the country. I've never been, and I want to go. So I'll probably pick your brain at some point about that. And I know you both love to travel, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you still have connections in Argentina? I have some family there, and I've been several times. In fact, shortly after Robin and I got engaged, we took a trip there. To Argentina and uh, Uruguay, yeah, and some sightseeing. So it was, uh, it's a really special place. It's sad to see, you know, in some ways how a chaotic uh, government can really uh, just harm a society because the people there are great. Like, yeah. and unfortunately, a lot of Latin America, they just struggle with governance, and uh, the people are wonderful, but they live in conditions that aren't commensurate with the, the quality of the culture and the society. So it's just kind of sad. In totally. fact, I remember when we traveled uh, one time to Argentina, someone said, oh, you're a lawyer. You know, and their, their impression was, you know, that's, it, it's not a, I mean, here people have various opinions about lawyers, right? But there it's definitely not a noble uh, profession in the way it's hopefully thought of here. Still, Interesting. It's kind of just looked upon as like, oh, you're there to, to help grease the machinery rather than actually help people. So it was yeah. kind of enlightening. Yeah, I know we were in Peru last summer and we experienced kind of the same thing, obviously from a different perspective, but we heard it from everybody we talked to just, you know, and then they've had a lot of issues there in Peru in the last year since we left. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of frustrating to see, you know, you see the culture, you see the potential and it's just, it's kind of sad. I, I you know, yeah. South America, I've only been to Peru, but I, I definitely want to go to Argentina and other places. It's just a beautiful country. And, you know, I love architecture, obviously. So, oh, yeah. I think you would love it. I think, you know, having seen your aesthetic, uh, fortunately, throughout town, it graces our town in various places. Um, I think you'd really love it. And the food's great. The people are so warm and uh, welcoming. Yes. It's really an awesome place. I think you'd love it. That is what we noticed in Peru is just how friendly everybody was. The food was off the charts, amazing, and it was really well valued. Our dollar, our, our dollar went a long sure. way over there, so mm -hmm. it, was, sure. it was a little bargain. It wasn't hard to get to. I mean, it was like we were there in six hours. It was yeah, not it's closer deal. than it seems, right? It's not yeah. the first on the list, but it's actually not a big difference between going to Latin America, yeah. South America, and Europe. Yeah, no, it was it was phenomenal. We're we're definitely looking forward to going back. So now you've been the mayor of PV for about five years now, correct? That's right. And I believe you are serving your third term now? Third term. Third term. Third term. So, so tell us briefly about your civic background and your and your time as the PV mayor. Well, it's been wonderful. You know, I just feel so, so uh, honored and privileged to serve our community. And, uh, you know, we're, since 2012, we've been in the realm of directly elected mayors. And uh, the old way was elected from the council, and I still try to conduct myself in that manner. If I'm not serving the group and serving our community, then uh, I'd be disappointed in myself. Um, I got involved when we moved back from New York. I literally I remember it like it was yesterday. I picked up the PV Independent, and there was an ad that said volunteers needed. And we didn't have children yet. And so I looked at it and talked to Robin and mm -hmm. said, 
what do you think if I just put my resume in and see if there's anything I can help with? And she said, I think that's a great idea. So I put my resume in. I didn't know anyone on council. I would have been fine and not offended at all if they'd said, hey, thank you, but we don't need you uh, mm -hmm. right now or, or at all. Mm -hmm. But they did interview me and I was selected to serve on the planning commission. And about a year and a half into that, I got a call from uh, then Mayor Scott Lamar, who's a great yep, friend and a Scott. mentor. Yep. Yeah. And Scott said, hey, would you have lunch with me? And over lunch, he asked me if I would consider running for council. And uh, I said, you know, I haven't really considered that. And I've got a lot of things going on. He said, well, I've been watching you and I think you do a great job. And I waited for an ask, Mark, and there was no ask. You know, it was just, he loves the town, wants to see the town do well, wants good volunteers. And I talked to Robin about it and I said, you know, I think we talked about it and thought, if there's no ask other than do your best in the best way you know how, that's a scenario that I'm comfortable in. And since then it's just been, um, once I get involved in something, I just try to do my best and, and serve in any way that I can. And so that's one thing kind of led to another and, and here I am. That's awesome. That's a good story. And that's how it starts. I mean, I, I do the same thing. I'm not that I'm running for office or anything, but I think there's so many opportunities for people to give back to their community and so many organizations that are just looking for help. And it takes a little effort, but the reward is just so immense. And I, I really encourage people to get more involved. If it's, you know, I, I love how people like to sit and complain about things, but they don't do anything about it. And so I commend you for for your time and effort and your your willingness to help the community that you live in. I think more people need to do that. Thank you. And I think your outlook is fantastic too. And it fits with the way that I've seen success achieved, which is there's so many different channels and avenues that um, one doesn't need to be the square peg in the round hole. If it's not right. a good fit, then find something else or create your own thing and just find ways to be of service to others. And it's That's a exactly really right. powerful yeah. thing. And it could be anything. I mean, uh, you know, I'm on the board of Habitat for Humanity. I mean, there's people that love their dogs. They can get the humane. I mean, it's it's, sure. it's pretty much endless. And if you just get a little bit involved, I think you'll be so fulfilled and you'll meet so many wonderful people that share the same interests you do. So Absolutely. I'm only saying this because I'm trying to encourage more people mm -hmm. to get involved, you know, instead of sitting yeah. about and complaining. So. Okay, so you mentioned you were formerly a top New York litigator before returning home to PV. Tell us about this. I mean, this is so interesting. Some of these cases, I mean, I know you probably can't get into cases. By the way, my brother is a federal judge, just so you know. Oh, wow. My mom, my mom and dad raised an architect and a federal judge. That's just the two of us. So, wow. Yeah, he's in, he lives in Durango, Colorado. So he processes a lot of, you know, uh, tribal tribal cases and water cases and Very all cool. kinds of stuff. So anyway, so what led, what, tell us a little bit about your time in New York and, and your, your legal career. Cause I think it's just yeah. very fascinating. Thank you. So I started out in San Diego and uh, was really privileged to have a great uh, group of mentors there. And one in particular who kind of the head of the West coast um, offices for the firm I was at, which was the premier firm in its space. It's a specialized area, mostly, uh, securities litigation on the plaintiff side. So I represented institutional investors uh, that were working on behalf of classes of injured investors. So the typical scenario would be a company commits accounting fraud. Let's say they have to restate their financials 
those who held the stock see the stock value plummet. Oftentimes, those who are holding the stock are people in big retirement systems or big uh, other types of institutional money. And then those institutional investors are the ones who become lead plaintiffs representing all of the injured investors. So I would represent those lead plaintiffs on behalf of the plaintiff classes. And that work took me literally all over the country in federal court. I was really fortunate that, uh, that another great mentor I had, Alan Schulman, was appointed um, shortly after I got to the firm, was appointed the head of the plaintiff side of the mutual funds market timing and late trading litigation, which was in the early to mid 2000s. But it was a huge national scandal at the time that people were being allowed to basically come in and raid uh, large investors, preferred investors were being allowed to siphon profits off of mutual funds where ordinary people had their retirement money. So they would come in and grab the profits and exit the fund before the, the losses occurred. And the reason not to get too boring or detailed, but as you may know, and many people know, mutual funds, traditional mutual funds are priced once a day. So yep. there's an arbitrage opportunity that arises. So that was a great experience. It actually helps me a lot in what I do on the council because I became his deputy and our job was to manage all of the plaintiff side of the litigation. So hundreds of plaintiff's law firms from all over the country and then uh, coordinate in, in different scheduling matters and different substantive matters, even with defendant groups that were represented by some of the most prominent defense firms in the world. Um, and that's just one example. I, I did a lot of cases. One of the other cases that I would highlight that was very interesting was the Washington Mutual Securities litigation, where uh, all these were, Mark, you'd be happy to know, were in federal court. So mm -hmm. I was around the, the cream of the crop, like your brother. Uh, and they're great state court judges, too, as well. But the federal bench, I think, is known for having really great uh, judges throughout the country. Yeah. And that case, um, actually, our case became the, the case study for the United States Senate. Wow. Uh, in their in their investigation into the last financial crisis. So I spent some time with the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations, um, helping them to understand, some colleagues and I, helping them to understand the facts we had discovered and hopefully putting some laws in place to avoid that kind of thing. So I liked what I was doing because it was helping people. Yeah. It was rewarding to me in terms of the challenge and and, and fortunately for us, very financially rewarding as well. But knowing that we were fighting the good fight for people who couldn't do it themselves yeah. was something that I was really uh, happy to do. And it kept me very motivated to do the work. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank so you. I can definitely see how that, that would segue into your role now as mayor of the town of Paradise Valley. I'm sure there's some, always some interesting cases with development and things that are going on that you've got to be somewhat the peacekeeper, the mediator, the solution finder, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's, you wear many hats. Um, and I think an ombudsman, first and foremost, you know, we want the town to be welcoming to everybody. That's a value that is inherent in me that was taught to me by my parents and my family and that Robin and I both espouse 100 percent is, um, you know, making the town hall accessible and welcoming, treating our professionals really well, having a great team atmosphere. But there are problems that arise and and I don't because I. I you know, I have a business background as well. I don't tend to look at everything as a legal problem. I try to understand what the the people problems are behind it, yeah. what's motivating people. And um, and I think is maybe to summarize what you were saying, Mark, the way I heard it is sort of peace through strength. 
I yeah. think the town should always be in a strong position. We should be on a morally sound footing, but also um, not afraid to uh, do what we need to do for our community and, and to do it together in a way that's that starts with kindness, but we can also be firm yeah. uh, when we need to be and not be pressured into doing things that our citizens wouldn't like. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think, you know, I moved here in 79. And so, you know, I've seen enormous change. Luckily, I, I started working with George Christensen in 82. And my first house ever was in Paradise Valley wow. in 1982. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of change. And now that I've been doing this 40 years, I know there's going to be more change. I mean, it, nothing ever stays the same forever, right? right? Correct. And what's unique about Paradise Valley, and you can correct me if I get this wrong, but it's, I mean, basically it's a residential community. I mean, it's its one acre lot minimum. I know there's some other little derivatives here at some of the resorts, but for the most part, it's a one acre community, residential. Uh, there aren't big shopping malls and office buildings and and things like that. It's, it's a place where people go to live and get away from all the other places that have those things, correct? That's 100% right. And and uh, Mark, in a similar vein to what you said about, you know, just putting facts out there and not, ho hopefully this doesn't come across the wrong way. You should feel very proud in your firm that your name has become synonymous with luxury, the highest end luxury in the town. I know when I look at homes that are for sale, um, even if it's not a newly built home, people will put your name in the, in the body of the text as the first thing, you know, Ken Larry designed home along with some of the stellar builders that we have. But uh, I want to thank you for that and for for really elevating um, the design and the standards in our town. And it's uh, you've earned that recognition. So congratulations to oh, you and your thank team. You. That, thank you. That is very, very nice of you to say. I really appreciate that. I mean, I've seen a few ads that they've used my name and I go, wait a minute, I don't, I didn't design that house. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when you really know you've got a great yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> No, but I appreciate well, those, those words. Awesome. Great, great deal. And I'm going to jump around. I know I sent you my yeah, yeah, sure. questions here, but I think one of the reasons that has happened is because of the great staff and uh, team you have there in the town of Paradise Valley. Um, I mean, right away, I'm going to call out George Burton, who's been there for years. Yeah. Uh, George is amazing. Okay. He's like, I don't know. He's like the center of the universe for me in the town of Paradise Valley. And he's so responsive. He's quick. He's personable. Um, you have a real gem of a person in George Burton there at the town. So I just want to well, make thank sure. Thank you for that. And I couldn't agree more. And yeah. uh, George is almost like a saint in my mind. I remember the first time I met him uh, was when I started on the planning commission. I was a bit of a deer in the headlights. Yeah. And he was just so kind. And the incredible thing about George is that he treats everyone like that. You know, he's the same. I know I can rely on George to give me the same level of courtesy and care and thoughtfulness. And it's so nice to hear that from your perspective as well, Mark. And I hear that from so many people. And really that's the culture that our professional staff has had for many years. And it's incumbent on, on me and the council now to keep that going. But that level of service and kindness and thought. Yeah. It's really, it's really nice to hear. And I think it's reflected throughout the organization and, and I do whatever I can to um, encourage that, but thank you for the kudos and I'll make sure to pass them. Oh yeah, no, they're, they're very, very sincere. And, you know, I, I obviously have to work with a lot of, a lot of jur jurisdictions throughout the country, you know, so I see 
I see how they all work, at least from our little corner of the world in terms of getting building permits and things approved. And I have to say, you guys are are really, really, you do a really good job. It's easy to get answers. Um, you know, we get frustrated with a few little things here and there, but overall, you guys are you guys are great to work with. And it's fairly timely. I think, you know, I think obviously our clients would love to be like Starbucks, you know, pull the plans in and right. go to the next window and pick up your coffee and your permit. Uh, but we know there's a lot of codes and things to go through, especially with Hillside. The Hillside is a whole nother animal, as we all know. And it's complicated. The code is complicated and it's it's not an easy thing. And so I would, you know, tell anybody that's contemplating purchasing a, a hillside lot that you definitely want to put together an A plus team because it's 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 not easy. And all that's left in Paradise Valley are the what I say are the hard lots these days. They're not yeah. none of the easy lots are left. All the hard ones are left, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. As far as the new builds, for sure. Obviously, you get involved in, and we see a lot of teardowns, which is a different story because a lot of that is flatland, but you're absolutely right. And it does pay to have the right people involved. Of course, our staff will work with anybody, yep. but there's a big learning curve um, to getting those things right. And yep. it's all about for us, consistency and quality. And I know our senior professional staff, our former town manager, Jill Kymack, who we're privileged still works with the town on a part-time basis. And our new town manager, Andrew Ching, one of the values that we have is, um, we're a limited government town, so we're, we're not all things to all people, but the areas where we do participate in public safety, building, uh, public works, we want to be second to none. And customer service is a huge part of that. So I appreciate the feedback. On yeah. That. Well, just to reminisce a little bit, another gentleman that, that I always had the pleasure of working with was very fond of was Bill Mead. I'm sure that name rings a bell. Yes. Uh, in fact, sure. I, I personally threw his retirement party for the town of Paradise Valley. I think I forget where it was, but it was a lot of fun. Bill Mead was great. I mean, he set that tone that you mentioned earlier of just being friendly and helpful. And, and, uh, I think George Burton picked up some of that from, from Bill. That's great. It's great history. Great to know. Yep. So in terms of town of Paradise Valley, we mentioned earlier how the town consists of single family minimum one acre lots. But I know there's been a lot of pressures from developers to, you know, buy a whole swath of land and 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 create, you know, multifamily or things like that, especially on the fringe of Paradise Valley. Do you talk about that a little bit for us? Because Inspiring Living is all about the people and the organizations that inspire us, we're excited to have a new sponsor for our podcast, the Sleep System Store, located at the northeast corner of Indian Bend Road and Scottsdale Road. The Sleep System Store is the only place in Arizona where you will find premium handmade beds expertly crafted by the world's most exclusive brands, including Hastings, Vispring, and Cluft. At Sleep System, a trusted and highly trained sleep specialist guides you through the process of selecting your perfect fit. With two locations serving Scottsdale and surrounding areas, each location offers a unique lineup of beds and bedding selected from the best collections engineered from completely natural materials for your comfort and brought all together to one premium destination, helping you achieve the best, most comfortable night's sleep imaginable. There is nothing better and more restorative to your well-being than a good night's sleep. Check them out in-store or online at sleepsystemstore.com. That's sleepsystemstore.com and tell them the Candelarias sent you. Uh, yeah, you know, I've actually seen... 
I know every campaign season that topic comes up. From my chair, I see less of that okay. than you might expect. Good. Where we do see it, so 85% of the town approximately is R43, one home per acre or larger. Sometimes it's two acre homes, as you know, yep. four or five acre homes. Um, but our minimum lot size is an acre. Of course, as you know also, Mark, there's some homes that were developed, lots that were platted before the town was incorporated that might be slightly under an acre, you know, 40,000 square yep. feet or so, that sort of thing. But, you know, we just um, put together our general plan, the 2022 general plan. I'm super proud that it had unanimous support from the planning commission, from the council, not a single citizen objection. And it was over approved, approved overwhelmingly, 82%, which is essentially 100% because there's some noise always in every election. Oh, yeah. And that really solidifies once more that we're about those one home per acre uh, lots where we do see occasionally. So in, just to put a finer point on that, if someone were to try to come in and build homes or create a subdivision that's outside our zoning, there's a they can ask for sure. That's their legal right to ask for that. But there's a lot of uh, hurdles, uh, including a general plan amendment, et cetera, that would need to occur. And I think for those developers who are smart, they see that and they realize it's not going to happen. Where we do see occasionally requests um, to put in housing product that's less than an acre is on our resort SUPs. And that's not specific to Paradise Valley. It's, um, it's a national global trend that oftentimes next to a resort, they'll have resort branded condos or other types of smaller format housing that can leverage the resort's facilities. And, um, and I think we've been very successful in managing those expectations as well. A good example of that would be the Smoke Tree Resort. Yep. We had an applicant group a few years ago that originally proposed condos. The council, majority of council, including myself, expressed that we didn't want to see more condos there. We wanted to see a resort which would generate revenue and would be a traditional Paradise Alley use. The project came forward with condos, um, 30 or so condos on five acres, including a resort. It was rejected. The property sold. The new group that's going through the process is proposing a pure resort with no for sale product. So if there is to be, and we've had the Scottsdale Plaza come through uh, without for sale product, I do expect that the rest of our Resorts have gotten the message that uh, it's not a land use that our community looks favorably on. Um, and we do have that product in town. I think there's, in my humble opinion, there's enough of it. Yeah. And I think we get to a point where it does change the character of the community. If you have a lot of people who aren't full-time residents and just lock and leave, yeah. they may have different priorities than the single-family homeowners. And so that's where we see some friction, but we're on the right path there because the message has been received even in that realm. Yeah. So I'm encouraged, but you're right that it does take vigilance and anyone can ask for that. And, uh, and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, there are times to say yes. And there are also times to say no. Yeah. And when our right. community doesn't want something, um, we know how to say no and we know how to do it in a respectful and nice way. Yeah. But, but, uh, you know, dividing acre lots into quarter acre lots, whether it's a developer request, and actually where we see it now more than ever is at the state level. Um, a lot of the different business groups come in and want to make things easier for development across the state. Mm -hmm. So they'll paint with a very broad brush 
and try to propose things that would disrupt our zoning. And that's also where, that's really the, for me, the highest area of concern. And we've been successful there as well, but that takes annual vigilance on our part to stay ahead of that. That's amazing. I had no idea about that more macro approach to overlaying what zoning you guys want in Paradise Valley. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been involved with Smoke Tree. I've been involved with the Sanctuary. I've been involved with El Charo. And one of the first things I always tell the developer when they come to me is, have you read the general plan? Have you looked at the general? That's the first thing. So when you said that, I go, okay, I'm doing the right thing. Yes, you are. Yep. So that's exactly right. So another good segue then is you mentioned these resorts and, and short-term rentals. And I know that we got the, you know, we, we have resorts that want to have that type of housing structure, but then you've got the single, you know, family homes on one acre that want to be a VRBO or an Airbnb. And I know just in New York City, they just recently passed a law limiting some of the, that use. And I know it's kind of a big trend that's starting to happen is just the disruptive quality of those Airbnbs. Now, I like to use them. And when I use them, I, I hope I'm not disruptive. I'm very respectful of the people. But I know people use them for bachelor parties and right. who knows what else. And so how do, what's your view on all of that? If you can talk about that a little bit. Well, I'll try to keep it short because I could probably do a whole show on this um, because it's been such an issue throughout the state. But in a nutshell, uh, you know, I don't have anything personally against anyone who wants to use a short-term rental. The, the issue for me and within our town has been in 2016, Airbnb successfully lobbied, and we were the, the, the suckers for this, I would say. And I don't mean this negatively towards yep. anyone who might have voted for it at the time because I think it was a bait and switch to eliminate all barriers for short-term rentals. So as you know, Mark, before that, if someone wanted a, a commercial type use, which a whole home short-term rental really is, yeah. it's hotel activity taking yeah. place inside a home, right? There's no one living there. It's the same thing as if you said, we're going to, let's open uh, uh, B and C, Jim Wilner and Candelaria, or probably Candelaria and Jim Wilner, mm -hmm. C and B's restaurant. Yeah. Uh, and let's have a rotating chef that comes in and I have a great home where we could do that. Well, if no one's living there, the activity takes place in a home, but it's really a restaurant use. Exactly. So they eliminated all the barriers. There's a clear strategy there because Airbnb had not gone public yet. And our state is a big sunshine, sunshine and tourism state. And the backlash was tremendous because not only did these bad outcomes happen with bachelor parties, wild parties, things of that nature, uh, inappropriate activity, uh, felons with weapons, you know, all kinds of really dangerous things in neighborhoods. But because of the way the state law was changed, we had no recourse. We couldn't shut those houses down. And so um, based on our community's feedback, we worked extremely hard to change the state law so that we could impose consequences for bad actors. And that has had a positive net positive effect throughout the state. It also gobbles up housing supply. So in places like Sedona, 30% of their housing stock is short-term rental. Holy and cow. so that pushes people out and makes housing unaffordable. Again, all for a commercial purpose. So the bottom line point for me is there is a place for short-term rentals, but that needs to be determined on a community by community basis. And some communities will want that tourism activity and will open up their market and say no restrictions other places will say hey we like what we have as a community and if you want to do this there's going to be a lot of restrictions similar to how pv does other zoning and land use 
yeah. things. It doesn't mean that we don't allow things. It means that yep. we want the best quality for our community. So we've made a lot of progress, but I think there's more work to do in that area. Yeah, it's complicated for sure. Uh, another area is senior living. I have so many clients who now are in their 70s and 80s who want to stay in Paradise Valley, but no longer want to live in their 10,000 square foot, one acre home, and would love to live in a high-end luxury multifamily venue within the town of Paradise Valley. So I guess that falls into places like Mountain Shadows and Sanctuary and a few places that are that are of that. But as you said before, you're not going to start splitting one acre lots into you know 10,000 square foot Right. spots where seniors can live correct right right yeah that's a tough one you know we've had community discussions about it before generally the consensus has been um that's not a use that people want it's almost viewed as a start of a slippery slope yeah i'm definitely sympathetic to people who don't want to be uprooted it's probably i'm just putting on my my thinking cap here and imagining that that oftentimes you get requests, I know I do, where the answer is, sure, there's a way to do it, but it involves money. So one of the things people have done is they get a full-time caretaker in their home um, and they continue to live in Paradise Valley. I know a lot of people like that or they have other help where they decide to live with somebody else. Um, the community's desire on this point so far has been, we understand we're sympathetic to that but there are places in neighboring communities that fill that need. Yeah. And really from a broader perspective, let's, and I've heard this actually from someone who unfortunately recently passed away in her home, a great friend, great town resident. She said, I want my home to be enjoyed by someone else when I'm gone. Hmm. And that's what happened. So um, it's just part of the cycle of life, I guess, but I do understand the request and, and uh, we have had those conversations. It's just, not been the desire of our community. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the plans we had looked for for Smoke Tree was actually a senior living resort, I guess is what our developer was calling it. Right. Uh, and I know semantics always get get played in these type of scenarios, don't they? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I you know I, I think that if there was to be a spot where it could possibly work would be something like that. But that's just my opinion, obviously. And it, it would have to again to fall into the general plan. Exactly. And my mindset on that, Mark, you know, I love our town. I love our standards. I believe in our standards. I work every day to protect our standards. Yep. But I also believe in our American system that if someone wants to ask for something, they can ask. Yeah. You know, and, and we can always look at it and, if they, and they have to understand the answer might be no based on yep. community input. I'm not a believer. And I just want to say this and it's because I, I'd like for this to continue. It was the legacy before me because I speak with all the former uh, mayors who are still around on a regular basis. I don't believe in the idea of bullying people out of even asking. Right. You know, that just creates bad feelings towards the town. And it also, that is the kind of thing that will result in people going to the state legislature and saying, these people are unfair. They don't respect rights. They try to intimidate us. And we need to work around them, not with them. We always want people working with us so that they can understand from our community what people want and don't want. And hopefully we can find a win-win. That's always yeah. my goal is, is there a win-win? And if there is, let's work on that together. Yeah. Well, I love that. I think that's exactly right. Um, I think that's what makes our country great is the fact that we can all talk together. And obviously that's more of what needs to happen in government in this country. So I, I really applaud you for saying that because that just gives me a lot of encouragement that there is still some okay. hope out there. 
that we can solve some of these things on federal level, maybe even, you know, who knows? Yeah. So another thing that, that I mentioned earlier is, that, you know, the ordinances are very difficult, uh, especially Hillside. And there's a few other ones, open, open space laws in terms of how much fill and things like that. There, there's been a, you know, I've talked with all the other builders that I work with and civil engineers, and I'd love to set up some type of forum or workshop with your team and your staff to kind of just go over a couple of the ones that we have as as our industry has our problems or just things that we sure. perceive as problems that we think could be better, not only for our clients, but for the community and still still fit into the gist of what what the 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 town is trying to achieve with those ordinances. Absolutely, Mark. That's a great segue from our last little discussion point, and I believe in that. And yeah. so, as you, as I think you're aware, I'm sure you're aware because you probably participated. The town at a staff and builder level, home builder, architect, yeah. engineer level, used to have a regular uh, yep. to discuss. That during COVID um, became a challenge. I'd like to see that reinstated. Yes. And and we have a new community development director coming in, and I will be mentioning this to the town manager because I think that kind of two-way feedback makes us all better yeah, and really helps us understand where the issues are. Because I do believe that the majority of people building in our town on a regular basis, a lot of them even live here or live near the town. They're not out to destroy the town. They're looking to do things that are common sense and that help. And if we have regulation in place that could achieve the same objective, but, but become more streamlined or easier to work with. Yes. I always want to hear about that. Yeah. So the ones I'm thinking of fall right into that category. They're, they're, they're little minor tweaks that I think actually will have a net better result for everyone long-term. Um, yeah. So I would love to, I'd love to get that forum going again. So whatever I can do to help Thank I, you. To get that going. So well, I'm making a note to myself. To, to bring that up again, because it, it we were in a period of transition and now it's uh, it's, it's a good time to get back. Yeah, no, that'd be great. So Robin, you've been sitting there patiently just listening to all of this. And uh, I know behind every great uh, man is a great woman. And um, I want to just say a quick shout out to my friend Vernon Parker, former mayor Vernon Parker, and his wife, Lisa, who's been going through some really tough stuff. My wife just had surgery Friday for breast cancer. So you know, life, life is not easy. Yeah. And so, you know, I know I appreciate what my, what my wife does for me and I try to do what I can for her. So, so it's glad that you're both here. I really, really appreciate that. And so tell me a little bit about the things that you do, Robin, to help your husband, help your family and help the community. Well, I, I don't have any involvement in the town stuff, but I do help Jerry with his businesses and his other work. Um, and we have two kids, they're 10 and eight, um, Danny and Leah, and we have two dogs. So I, um, we're busy. I, yeah, I handle a lot of stuff for our home and like yeah. our kids, their interests, making sure that if they have a desire to learn something that we figure out how to help them get there. So right. kind of on duty in that way, um, which I, I like, and I'm happy I can do that. Um, and, you know, I, I recently got involved with Stroll Magazine, which I think is how we got connected. Through yeah. Um, we were fortunate enough to be on their cover in February, um, which was super fun. And, yeah. you know, I loved not it. something we have to do very often. So that kind of led to just 
um, me sharing with them, with Tiffany and the photographer David, that I things that I like to do for myself. On yeah. the side. And so I just started a monthly contribution where I share things that bring joy. I don't know, hopefully to more than just me. Um, and so I'm enjoying that because it's my own little thing and I get to um, sort of do whatever I think sounds like maybe interest, of interest to others. Yeah. Profiling businesses in town or products I like. So who knows where that will go, but it's, it's a nice side, side thing that I'm enjoying. Yeah. Well, I'm enjoying Stroll Magazine. It's very, it's fun. It's, I like the personal aspect of it and just getting to know people more. I mean, it's like a podcast that's printed. Yeah. So. Like a neighborhood. You don't see that anymore where things aren't online. Right. You know, if you want to see it. Like if I want to show someone, I take a picture of the article, um, which I think people like are so used to instant gratification with the link. So it kind yeah. of brings you back to the basics and to yeah, a neighborhood no. feel. Yeah, that's great. So one of the questions I had here was we were talking about Paradise Valley in 1978 and now it's 2023. What do you think Paradise Valley looks like in 2123? Oh boy. I don't have that kind of crystal ball, Mark. <laughs> Hopefully it's still, you know, a great residential community that's welcoming, friendly, where people can have privacy but also enjoy all the benefits of of having great neighbors um, and community oriented, a community with kindness. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I'd like. And, and hopefully we're doing our small part. And Robin's amazing, by the way. She always sells herself. Uh, I wouldn't say short, but she's so humble. She's the glue of our family. Yeah. And, uh, she's, she's my rock. And we're celebrating our, our anniversary tomorrow, our 12th. Oh, 12th, and we just celebrated our 10th. So congratulations to both Thank of you. Congratulations to you as well. Yeah, so that's we, awesome. We wish your wife well, and Lisa. Bernie's also a great friend, and Lisa. Yeah, ours. he's Lisa awesome. And we'll include your wife Thank in you. our prayers as well. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. And, and part of the fun is like, you know, the town was founded by some visionary people, and as times change, uh, hopefully that visionary looking at the past, but coming up with solutions for the future. Yeah. So I really don't know. I'm excited. I wish I could be a fly in the wall mm -hmm. on that time. I won't be around. I'm yeah, sure. I but, probably won't be around either, but. But it would be interesting to see where the community goes and hopefully it's a great place, even better than now. Yeah. Well, I think what's so special to, about Paradise Valley to me is, and you know, we live 44th and Calumbac, so it's not, we're just on the fringe, but we sit in our backyard and it's like we're in the middle of the desert. We don't hear a car. You know, it's just we're looking up at Calback Mountain. It's just absolutely beautiful. And I, just, I mean, you know, you just drive down Tatum at night or when the sun's setting or or down Lincoln. I mean, it's just it's just beautiful. And so and to be in the middle of what the fourth, fifth largest city in the world or not the world, but the country. And, you know, you feel like you can just escape and or like. Yesterday I went for a hike in, in, you know, there was nobody there. I mean, it was like, it's just yeah. an amazing, and I could be to the airport in 10 minutes, yeah. you know, yeah. try to do that in Los Angeles or New York. Good luck. That's right. Yeah, not gonna <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're so lucky to have this community, right? It's smack virtually in the middle of the city. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So what is ahead for Jerry and Robin? Governor, state senator, president? What, what's come on? Give me, give me some. You know, I'm I'm the media here. This is the kind of questions the media always ask, Jerry. Yeah, I, I really, 
I wish I could tell you. My crystal ball doesn't work for that either, unfortunately. Um, we just, you know, as I said earlier, I got into this because I thought I could help. And I always want to be involved in things I can help in. Yeah. That, um, so I don't know is the short answer. And, and I reflect about that a lot. You know, what, what, what have I learned from my mentors, starting with my parents through other mentors I've had and, what do I learn from Robin? What do I learn from our kids? And, yeah. And I just want to, you know, I just keep learning, solving problems, learning, working yeah. with people. I get energized being with people and helping people and the harder the problem. And I'm sure you encounter this all the time, you know, in your practice where someone wants something or you want to do something that's really difficult. It doesn't mean that it's not worth it. It means it's extra worth it sometimes because yeah. you get the satisfaction of, of solving the problem and the more elegant, you know, I don't know about you, but if I can solve a problem and people don't even understand that it's a problem, right? Because it's difficult, but the solution's elegant. Um, I enjoy that. So it's just a question of where a need might be and, and what works for our family, but we don't have any specific plans for that. And I'm honored whenever someone brings it up to be considered for different things, but yeah. I'm just a just a regular guy, you know, family guy, and and my first priority is to my family, and we live in the community, and we want the community to be great for for our family and for every family and every person here. Yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. Doing. That's awesome. I I love hearing that for sure. And you have uh, two children. You mentioned what do you guys like to do for fun? I know you mentioned travel. Uh, what are just tell us a little bit about the two of you and what, what things do you do to get away? I mean, you go up to Sedona, do you go hiking? What, what are some, what are some of the things you do to kind of get away from it all? We will, we do like to do physical like walks and hikes. And, and when my kids and Jerry are more hikers than me, I'll say, but I'll go <laughs> on the low key hikes. If he wants to take them to Camelback, I may sit that one out. Yeah. Um, but no, we just like to, you know, we, we do travel, but we're here a lot. Um, you know, in the summers we go to California and we always try to take like a trip to somewhere new. And that's something I think we're trying to do more because our kids are at a, an age where I think they'll remember trips yeah. and they're good travelers. So our goal is to just keep exploring and showing them different, you know, cultures and communities. Cause sometimes you get stuck in your way and you don't oh, know yeah. what's around you. Yeah. And I think they have the ability to, to, we can see things through their eyes, which is, you know, something I don't want to not, what take for granted. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, yeah. We like to do stuff at home, but we also like to, you know, if we have a chance to go somewhere, um, sometimes it's last minute because Jerry's schedule is. <laughs> Frustratingly little, chaotic yeah. for Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Chaotic, not, yeah, yeah I understand. not so cut and dry, um, but you know, that's how life is. So yeah, absolutely. It. Well, once we're all healed up around here, I'd love to have the two of you and, and Vernon and, and Lisa and maybe uh, uh, the and Dean, Ellen and Charles and get the whole That'd gang over here for dinner some night. That would be a That'd lot be of great. fun. Yeah. We enjoy that. So you. we'll do that. So what do you attribute to your success and what's some advice you'd both like to share with our listeners? Let's close out with that question. Oh, no. <laughs> my success. Um, our success. No, I think it's good to just think of 
things in a positive way and that there is a way to always see the other side of it. And sometimes you get stuck in something. You have to take a step back. Yeah. And Jerry is, you know, he's always very level-headed. And if I have an issue that is bothering me, he has a way of helping me get through that so I don't spiral. <laughs> um, so I think we complement each other because sometimes he's more relaxed and I have to say, hey, this is actually going on and I need you to pay attention to this. And he'll tell me, hey. <laughs> oh, this all sounds so okay. familiar. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he has that level-headedness, which I need a lot. So yep. I think it's just, you know, every day is a new day to do something great and, yep. you know, kind of have faith in things and everything always works out in the end. Yeah. You know, as I was thinking about that this morning is like how much better this world could be if we just all did what exactly what you just said is just try to work together a little bit more than building bombs and fighter jets. And if you took all that money that goes into that and we as a world just sat down and said, hey, but instead of spending all this money on stuff like that, let's spend it on this, this, this. Imagine what we could actually get done, you know, and it's just frustrating that we have to live in a world like that sometimes, but. Hopefully there's hope for all of us. You know? yeah. Our kids and the next generation. Especially for our kids, up. exactly. Yeah, That's it's hard exactly. to grow up now these days yeah. with everything like that. Like, And it's always at your fingertips with the, the news all the time. Oh, know? yeah, it's hard. I mean, I raised, I raised one of my, uh, my oldest daughter was raised pre-iPhones and pre-all that stuff. And then my two little ones were all post-iPhone. And it's just amazing how different it had to be to, to raise them, you know, in that post iPhone world. It's just so yeah. much more challenging. So it's hard. It's hard being a parent. It's not an easy job. Not a guidebook on that one. <laughs> no. I think we're all trying to figure that one out still. So, well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to do this today. This was Thank great. You, Mark. And I it really, I really got, yeah, I really got to know you a little bit better. And I'm just, now I'm all excited and oh, so looking forward to getting like, to know you more. Well, we so like to, awesome. yeah. We'll look forward to that dinner, and I really want to hear more about your journey and what you do and what inspires you. I mean, I I see it, which is cool. Like, I get to yeah. see your vision as or your client's vision is implemented through you. Yep. But uh, we're really fascinated to learn more about the work that you and your family do and, and understand uh, what it takes to – have people put your name on things that yeah. you didn't even create. <laughs> yeah. well, it's like I tell my kids. Off yeah. The brand. yeah, I tell my kids we're, we're candelarias, not cantelarias. So we <laughs> always, just like you said earlier, find the solution. There's always a solution. And a lot of times our biggest problems have come up, have, have, have made us come up with the best solutions that we would have never come up with any other way. So I look at problems as opportunities, you know, right? Absolutely. So we'll close on that note. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it, okay? Have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks again. All right. Thank you, Jerry and Robin. Great job and keep going. Thanks for making Paradise Valley such a wonderful place for everybody there to live in. Okay, we have some great podcasts coming to you in the weeks ahead, so stay tuned. Thanks for your continued listening. Thank you also for the ratings and reviews. Please give us a rating and review as it really helps promote our podcast. Let me know that you did, and you might just get a signed copy of my book. Thanks again for those of you who've done that recently. I hope you enjoyed the book. Okay, we do our best to inspire living in everything we do, from our podcast to our cooking classes, our book, our homes, and our tours. Okay, have a great week, everyone. Stay safe. 
get ready to enjoy some amazing fall weather. Get out to that Phoenix and Home and Garden home tour, and let's all live our lives with love, compassion, grace, and positivity. Thank you for the listen, and we look forward to connecting again real soon. Because Inspiring Living is all about the people and the organizations that inspire us, we are excited to have Monogram Appliances as one of our sponsors. Anytime we do a new kitchen or a kitchen remodel, Monogram Appliances are what we recommend to our client. Their appliances are the definition of luxury, meticulously detailed using the finest materials and an ownership experience that is second to none. This is how Monogram is always thinking ahead and inspiring and elevating the kitchen experience. Because at Monogram, they don't just elevate one thing, they elevate everything. I want to say a big thank you to my good friends at Stockett Tile and Granite Company, where your project is our priority. I want to thank the Stockett team, along with so many others who contributed to the success of our fabulous demonstration kitchen and our new candelary design office expansion. You will have to check out online our video cooking classes and our kitchen is amazing. I've had the pleasure of working with the Stockett team for nearly 40 years on many spectacular projects and trust me, they are the epitome of excellence when it comes to tile, marble, and granite work bar none. Their skill and customer service is impeccable and the bottom line is they are just good people. I have traveled with and dined with and just had good times both personally and professionally with Dave Stockett and his lovely wife Becky and they are the best. When it comes to your next tile and stone project, make sure Stock at Tile and Granite is a part of your team. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. We encourage you to write a review, screenshot it, and share it with your friends. Please instant message it to me and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We thank you for listening, and we look forward to sharing more insights to inspiring living next week.